Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter mostly friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spotting off about Dream Linux Machine. Let's get to episode two. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. With me today is the figure skating champion of photographic excellence, Wendy, and Matt, taking you downhill with the game suggestions faster than a bobsled. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty awesome today. Sounds like you're all kinds of happy. I am. It's a good day. It's above freezing. Is it a Jamaican bobsled team, though? It'd be a lot cooler if it was, but no, it's a hat <laughs> bobsled. So it's probably oh. hanging together by rags and has a thermal paste smeared along the side of it. So it's kind of like your Commodore 64 clone. <laughs> totally okay, then. Yeah, pretty much. Except no thermal paste on the Commodore 64. I use those little, like, sticky things, you know, instead. It's not so fancy. Not even a fan in the thing, you know? Not even a fan of a thing. So... Why do you use it then? <laughs> a fan in the thing. It doesn't need a fan. In of. Same difference. Well, Matt, I understand you are on the search for the elusive unobtainium that is now the current status of all things computer for a video card. Yeah, unfortunately, that is a, not a fun search. Not enjoying that one too much. Oh, no? No, no, not at all. Have you heard of eBay? Yeah, I don't want cards that might have been mined to death and go away in a month. <laughs> oh, okay. There is going to be no, absolutely no, confidence in the used market now with all of the cards that were bought up and used in mining machines? Yeah, definitely. I kind of thought about how bad off are they? Is there a way to do like a hardware system check to see how good they are? Or is it one of those things when they get up to temperature, then they start to like falter? I don't really know. Well, some of it is you don't know how they were used, the conditions that they were used in. And then... Because of unknown conditions, then you have parts that can be faulty sooner, not last as long once you get it. The longevity of the card is just not as good, depending on the heat that it was running at, the times that it was running. And just because somebody has a mining station set up doesn't mean that they're using that hardware and, well, no mining is using that hardware in the best or most efficient way possible for its longevity, but then other conditional factors can make that worse, and you just don't know. You know, I have to wonder, though, for people who are mining the snot out of their cards, that doesn't seem like the highest and best use of the, the thing, because you would think, this is just me, I, I'm no expert, understand like how Steam is building the Steam Deck, there's like a crossover point where maximum performance for you know the thermal characteristics and pushing any harder is not really going to get you better battery life. And the same, I would think, would fall in line with mining cards or GPUs for mining. What do I know? It seems like you don't want to push them too hard because you don't get the life out of them. Yeah, but if you're not thinking about the longevity of the card and you're just trying to mine as much crypto as you can while the prices are high, you can just buy another one. Not the idea of preserving the longevity of this card so I have it for years to do mining for a long period of time. It's, oh, how much can I mine right now? It doesn't seem like a good long-term winning strategy, though. No. It's not, but crypto is also 24-7 gig as far as, it's not like the stock market where in similar ways it's like the stock market, but it's open all, all the time. So prices, depending on what you've mined, even if you have, you know, a couple million saying like Shiba Inu or, you know, Dogecoin or whatever, and you see a 20 or 30% increase in the price over the, say, course of 24 hours, you can just buy a new GPU at that point. They'll usually cash out and then just go back to mining. So to them, it doesn't matter. Like, that's the game for them. It's more about how much can you break in as opposed to, so, you know, $1,000 on a video card is just like whatever to them. And it's unfortunately really, really painful for those of us, you know, normal people who just want to <laughs> buy a GPU at a reasonable price. To Wendy's point, this is going to destroy the secondhand market. Like, I've looked at secondhand cards and I do not trust them for the life of me because I don't know what you've put that card through. Unless I know the person and I know they don't do crypto mining or whatever, I'm not buying secondhand. I just don't trust the market. Granted, I can't say that about certain GPUs, but when it comes to desktop GPUs, <laughs> I don't trust the market. Right, that makes sense. MXM cards and like desktop replacement slash workstations that you can use as, you know, I use the term laptop very loosely, that you can upgrade. Those I'm a little less wary of because you can't really combine those in the same way you can like a generic mining rig where you have two, four, eight, however many cards you want to put in a rig like you can. So those I'm not as wary of. 
of, and that's not a route I've seen a lot of miners go because those have their hardware limitations too much. It's just been painful because it's like, oh, you know, I bought a video card a couple years ago and it was like a hundred bucks. And now I look at it, it's like, oh, $400 for the same video card. Awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mine at least doubled. And mine was an old card to start with when I bought it. And it's double the price that I bought it at. That's just the thing, though. But a lot of the reason is on the system I stream with, I have a Vega 64, which it does perfectly fine. But once you start adding in local desktop recording and higher resolutions or higher frame rates, so you have to choose between resolution and frame rate and find the balance, it's just starting to show a more age, especially on more demanding games, which is a lot of the reason I'm looking at GPUs, not because I want to. If I'm just playing video games, totally fine. It's one of those, sometimes you outgrow the hardware and um, unfortunately, it's more me outgrowing the hardware more than the actual physical limitation of the hardware. That's the reason I'm looking at GPUs, because as an example, when I was streaming this past Monday at 9 o'clock Eastern on the Destination Linux Network YouTube channel, there was some issues with the Shenmue 3 game that I was playing, which was uh, not the most highest demanding game, but the recommended requirements, I believe, is like a 970, if I remember correctly, for the recommended system requirements. But on the same note, I had to tweak some settings and you know drop it down to 720p at 60 as opposed to 1080p at 60, just because there was some weird artifacting in the OBS actual output for like the local that you see. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not good. <laughs> so that's what got me into this whole kind of shebang of looking at video cards again. And also on a side note, I, I'll be mostly streaming every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on the DLN YouTube channel, just kind of as a community thing. This is something that I wanted to start doing a little more of. So I have a game recommendation later that we'll be talking about, and that'll be one that will probably be streamed next Monday. It was already talked about in DL, but we ended up getting a nice review code from the game company, so we'll uh, take a look at it. And it's Linux native, from my understanding. That's kind of nice. I really like it when you're able to showcase Linux native games on the channel and for the community. Because they are out there and there's some really cool ones out there. Yeah, there are. And I kind of want to highlight some of those, kind of the whole point. It's a game sphere thing, so it's going to be everything. But for the most part, I want to highlight some of the Linux games that developers do actually make. That's kind of my thing. Yeah, you are all over the place when it comes to the games you play and the platforms you play on, which is one of the things that makes game sphere so cool because it's not just playing directly from the computer. You play on all kinds of different platforms. But one of the nice things about when you bring Linux games to the front, to the forefront, those games can usually be played on Windows or on different platforms as well. And you let everybody know that. I like it because you can see some other games, like things that are outside of my genre, typical genre. It's nice to see what other people are playing. This way it allows me to make a decision for myself. You know, is that something that interests me or not? Kind of like trying the game without having to try the game. Nate, for you, any game before probably, I'll go as far as 1989 will probably not interest you. False. That is not true. He has played Candle. That's one that I shared. And there's yep. a few others that I know are newer that he's among played. Us. Now, typically among <laughs> us, there we go. Matt's favorite game of all time. River City Ransom Underground. There's other games too. I'm still waiting for you all to try to get me to play that on stream. I can't help it that you're a bum. The only way we're going to do that is if Nate and I travel to your house, we tie you to a chair and we turn it on on your laptop. And then essentially we'll still have to play for you. Yes, yes, you will. Hey, it's a plan. Let's do this, Nate. No, <laughs> no. Uh, definitely it'll not. be easy to tie down to he'll have a game controller in his hand you won't know how to put it down it'll be fine no i know how to put the game <laughs> controller down so i can go to the mouse and keyboard <laughs> okay <laughs> speaking of not being able to put things down wendy it seems like you've actually been able to find a use for your raspberry pi and put it down somewhere well my raspberry pi is still under the same use we've talked about before it's running unbound with pi hole doing an amazing job but I do have that eight gig model and it was just running way hotter than I wanted it to. And it's just this tiny little board and it's really not under a whole lot of strain. During the day, it was hitting sometimes 112 degrees is the reading that I was getting from the pie hole admin panel. Ooh. And then at night, yeah, really hot. And then at night it was cooling down to somewhere in like the low hundreds, 105, somewhere in there. So still staying way too hot for how I like to keep my hardware. I really want it to last long, I want it to run as cool as possible. This is a board that's constantly running, right? It runs 
our internet. Okay, not necessarily runs our internet, but it is a main key for the way we are currently using our internet. It's keeping the internet waves clear. Yes, absolutely. Keeping the internet waves clear. And so I didn't want to use the passive case that it came with anymore. And it is a nice aluminum body case that came with the kit my husband got me for Christmas, but it just wasn't doing a good enough job in cooling for me. I picked up a different case. This one, it's mostly plastic, but it had different heat sinks for the different components on the board itself. And then this is active cooling instead of passive cooling. So it's got this cute little fan that you connect up and you can choose to either run it on the three volts or the five volts. I have it on the five volts because I wanted the faster speeds. I want the cooling. When we are all using the internet at the same time during the house, it is getting hit a lot. Now, when it comes to the overall hardware of the board, we're not even coming anywhere near close to maxing it out. Like I think the most I've seen in RAM usage is like 0.3 maybe max, like really we're not touching it. But as all of those different queries are coming in during the day, as I'm working on stuff, the kids are doing schoolwork or whatever, it was still really, really heating up the board. So I wanted to use that five volts. Now the biggest problem is, and it's definitely not the temperatures, my temperatures have dropped down nice. The most I've seen during our heavy use during the day is like 97. And then at night, we're cooling all the way down to low 90s, high 80s. Much more comfortable in those temperatures range that the board is sitting in but this tiny little fan that is spinning really really fast is a little bit annoying in noise it adds this fan speed ambiance that is going on all of the time it never stops and I was thinking about getting a Noctua fan because they also make these smaller fans now it is a smaller fan still running at a high speed so you'll still get more fan noise than say my 200 millimeter fans in my desktop that are running at a much slower speed but able to push a lot more air the other thing that I found in doing research on this is you can do some modifications and make it so it's not running all the time it will definitely need some tweaking in the wiring of the fan itself and then you need to be able to run a script in association to that fan. So if it's at a certain temperature, the fan is off, and if it kicks up to another point, then the fan turns on. So it would still be more of an on-off fan, but it wouldn't necessarily need to be running all of the time. You know, I have a Pi 4. This is like a multimedia machine. I have a Flirk case for it, and it does get a little bit toasty, but it doesn't get like unbearably hot. Although a fan can be nice, you know, at night, maybe not that fan. I think there was some sort of an update, like a firmware update or something like that for the Raspberry Pi 4, the 8 gigabyte model, so it didn't get so hot. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but I'm quite certain I read that. I'll have to look into that. I know that I have done all of my updates, been keeping up on my updates, but maybe there is a second or a separate firmware update that I need to go looking for and do for the machine because it has. It's just been running really, really warm and I don't like to see this tiny little board running that hot. Though spending some time playing with fans and doing some wiring and getting all of the scripts and stuff to run would be an interesting afternoon. But it's just not on the to-do list right now. So it's something that I'm looking at, looking at supplies, maybe getting a different fan for it. I just like the Noctua fans. Every single fan that's in my desktop system right now is one of those. I have extras in the tech closet. So if anything happened to one fan, I've immediately got a replacement. They've just been a really high quality, quiet fan compared to any of the others that I've run in the past. So maybe just swapping out the fans, which would still need to do some changing up the wiring because your standard fan connector won't work on the Raspberry Pi. We'll see. It's kind of one of those things that's on the list. I am glad to see that it's now not running as hot. I will definitely check into some of those firmware updates, but how hot is it and how hot it will it last if it stays running that hot situations? Right. I am interested in seeing how it turns out. You know, maybe I can learn a little something from your misery. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Many of you have probably also noted that the first episode of Linux Out Loud was running late. And I'm sorry if you follow me on Mastodon, you got the down low Tuesday night, my time, that the show was going to be late. It was all edited 
listen back through ready to go, but there's been some issue with the graphics. Not that the graphics aren't fantastic, but just getting them prepped and ready to go for showtime. So that one was late. This one was on time and you shouldn't see any more issues in when that shows are launched anymore. Just wanted to give you a heads up on why it didn't show up on time. I know we get used to, hey, these are the podcasts I listen to and this is the time they drop and it can kind of throw people off when they don't launch when they're expecting them to. But that was a one-off thing. We are now ready to go and we're glad you showed up for the second Linux Out Loud. The other kind of heads up And if you listen to episode number one, you already heard we are no longer on the main YouTube channel for Destination Linux. If you want to continue following us or listening to the show on YouTube, there's a link in the description for the Linux Out Loud YouTube channel, and you can get all of the information below. Now, Nate, I'm not the only one playing with hardware. Did you get a new 3D printer or are you making some changes to an existing 3D printer? I purchased a new 3D printer because my old one, I've either worn it out or maybe it's a piece of garbage to begin with. I might go with maybe a little bit of both on that. So I got one that seems to be very popular that a lot of people use. It's open source. It's called the Ender 3 and it was less than 200 bucks. It has a heated print bed, which is important for holding prints so they don't like fall off or break off the platform as it's printing. Just open up the box this morning and I'm getting ready to assemble it. So after we're done here with the show today, I will hopefully have it up and operational and printing something very related to what you are working on, but it's a Raspberry Pi frame rack thing to put on my server rack in the basement. I was going to purchase one, but you know, 30 some odd dollars, or actually it was like 60 bucks would end up being when I looked for the, a thing. I couldn't pry the 60 bucks out of my hand for a piece of metal. So I spent 200 on a 3D printer because that seemed like it makes much more sense. And I have other things to print and do with it. You know, I've already got spools of plastic PLA ready to go. But I'm excited about it. I'm ready for a new uh, 3D printer, a better 3D printer. I got a lot of things I'm going to be building and doing and so forth. That's a much needed purchase. It makes sense to me to go ahead and spend the money on the 3D printer instead of on the rack itself. Where the 3D printer you can use over and over again. I know it's one of the things that's been on our wish list. I'm really curious as to the model and everything that you got on this one. After you get it put together, I want to know how well did it go together and then how well does it actually print items. It's a really nice first use for it as you get all of your different pies set up in your server rack and then the million other things that will come from the cubicle labs. Yes, kind of a key component. I have a lot of other things that's waiting for me to have this operational for me to finish some unlike little nitnoid tasks. So this is going to be great. But it is an Ender 3. I don't know which version of Ender 3. I guess there's multiple versions of Ender 3. Version 4.1 looks like it says on the paper. That might be the instruction model. Interestingly, the power supply they use for it is of similar design for what I use on my festive light display in my house. It's in 24 volt instead of 12. So I thought that was kind of fun. They just basically made a module that screws to it. So it has like a normal IEC, I think it's like 6320 power connector to plug into the wall and then... It distributes the power to the rest of the machine from there. So I just thought it was interesting that a lot of standard off-the-shelf components to make this, which means repair and upgrades should be pretty straightforward. That is the kind of 3D printer I would definitely want. I don't want one where all of the components are hard to track down. They're expensive to replace. Yeah, this is definitely one that I would like to look into more. So make sure you're sharing reviews of this one and it might be on the list for us soon. This episode of Links Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so that you and your teams can get back to work doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing, robust product documents, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth from teams of one to teams of 1,000 with simple and powerful cloud computing. Get growing at DigitalOcean. As a listener of Linux Out Loud and member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co/tux2022. That's do 
dot co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Go to do.co slash tux2022. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. On the DLN community forum, there was a very interesting thread called Dream Linux Machine? Question mark. And some members of the community giving their different takes on what they think is their dream machine, you know, for their unique tastes and, and so forth. The one that made me laugh out loud was Ulfnik saying, anything from System76, I'll even take a mouse mat. It made me think, you know, what is a machine that would be my dream machine or a machine that would make my life better? I suppose dream machine can mean various different things for various different people, depending upon what kind of work they're doing or entertainment and so forth. So Wendy, I'm curious to know, if you had a magic wand or even just a thick pocketbook, what would be your dream machine for you? I have several dream machines in mind, but the one I'm going to talk about today would be the living room gaming system dream machine. I have a desktop that I really, really like. Yeah, I'd want some upgrades or that kind of things. There's some changes that I would make to the kitchen system, mostly because, hey, I need to keep winning in this race with Ryan. But the <laughs> living room system is one that hasn't been set up yet. I've got parts and whatnot. But as we were talking about with Matt earlier, even though it's a goal for this year, it's on my wish list for this year to get the living room gaming system up and running. And we'll talk even more about why I wish I could do that right now later on in the show, but it would without a doubt be the living room gaming system. I would go straight for the current top line Ryzen CPU, the Ryzen 9 5950X. Not that this system would really need that power, wouldn't any way come close to using it, but what the heck, why not? It's a dream machine. I'm gonna go for the best CPU in the line of CPUs that I like to use. I would say it would have to have a minimum of 32 gigs of RAM. And this is because some of the games that the kids are wanting to play, some of the stuff that the system would be used for, it probably wouldn't come anywhere near to maxing out that RAM, but I like to have that flexibility. I really like to have that overhead. And while I know DDR5, especially if you have listened to one of the episodes of Hard Erotics where we talk about DDR5, isn't really up to snuff as compares some of the older, more fleshed out DDR4. Let's go with a DDR5, high-speed DDR5 RAM, and then I'm already at the beginning of the game. Dream Machine, Hardware Addict, let's go with what's the best, quote-unquote best, the newest technology for now. I don't know how well that would actually play with the gaming machine, but we're dreaming, so we might as well. Now, this is the biggest dream of them all, and that would be the graphics card, which I would be thinking a Radeon RTX, the... 6900 XT. This is a super beefy card. It can do way more than we'd need for gaming. But that means that the system, if built this way, would be able to be used for years to come. It's not a gaming system that we can use for a couple years. And then in order to play different games that the kids are wanting to play, we're going to have to upgrade components. This would be a rock solid gaming system for a few years to come. The case that I would use for this really depends on the size of the overall parts that I pick. It definitely wouldn't be as large of a tower as I have for my desktop one. I have a huge full-size tower on my main system. And while I absolutely love this tower, it's so easy to work in. Cable management is fantastic. This one needs to fit in more of a tighter space. Like I could figure out how to make it fit somewhere in that living room area, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a tower quite this big. Though it does need to be large enough, all of the components fit easily, that cable management isn't an absolute nightmare, and that I could get the fans in it that I want. That all comes first and then picking the case would come after. Now, because this system would mostly be for the kids in Magneto, I could give them some RGB on this. So we could settle for one that has a little bit of rainbow vomit, not the super flashy flashy because I have to walk <laughs> through the living room too, but we could have a little bit of rainbow vomit on there for them and they could get to pick the colors and whatnot that's on it. So that would be the dream machine for or the living room gaming system. I wish we could do it now. Yeah, it sounds like a Kraken machine, as it were. The graphics card seems like the hardest of that to obtain. 
I haven't looked at the prices of the Ryzen 9 at this point. I imagine it's going to be that graphics card that would be the sticking point. It would all be really, really expensive. And DDR5 RAM is definitely not cheap because it is the newest technology when it comes to RAM. None of this would be a cheap machine. If I could build this today, like if I could take it and put it into reality, then I would be totally fine reducing the Ryzen to an older CPU. Like I said, it's way more than it absolutely needs. I would be completely fine with going DDR4 and still sticking with that 32 gigs of RAM. I really want no less than that. In the real world, even reducing those two things, the graphics card would still be A, the hardest to get a hold of, and definitely the most expensive component on all of those. Of course, if you're putting that all together, you're going to want to have a really nice power supply. So I'd still stick with probably close to the one that I have in my current desktop. It's modular. Yay. Love that when it comes to cable management. For sure. And then I think the one I have right now is rated platinum. So really good on power usage. Well, undeniable. That would be an awesome machine for anybody to have. I'm sure the kids would like it. By kids, I mean Magneto. The kids would love it. They probably wouldn't appreciate all the hardware that was in it. And that's fine. I could and they could have fun playing on it and enjoying their rainbow vomit. Mine is pretty flashy all of this gaming related stuff. Nate, your system looks like it's a little more down to earth than the one I have on my wish list. Well, yes, it's a bit of a uh, vanity machine and it's actually what I'm using right now. My dream machine has been basically since childhood, an awesome Commodore 64. So in a way, I already have it today. Now, Matt is actually to blame for its existence in my... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I saw the chassis and sent it to you. Yes, you're the one who hit the giant purchase button, not me. Right. Um, anyway, so Matt is to blame for me having this. And actually, I thank him for this purchase. It was a pain to put together because I'm an idiot. I didn't know about this PC part picker thing. That aside, after several failed attempts, I have some extra uh, mini ITX boards that I'll probably use later. It's a Commodore 64, I call it an imposter. Officially, the case is called the C64X or My Retro Computer, My64. Uh, although they just purchased the rights to the name Commodore or license the rights to actually call it Commodore 64 again. It looks like a Commodore 64, but it has a modern keyboard in it. The layout actually is reasonable. It has a proper inverted T cursor key, not the nonsense that Commodore did on the 64, you know, well, before it was really a standard, I guess. The case did cost me $289 with shipping, but it's cheaper now. The CPU, or more appropriately, the APU that I have in it is an AMD Ryzen 5 3400G with a Vega 11 graphics. I got it for $136. I don't know if that price went up or not now. Maybe it has. Maybe it's gone down. The motherboard is an X570. It's an Aeros Pro Wi-Fi. That was like $223. The RAM I purchased was DDR4, 32 gigabytes of RAM. $100. Although I realize it's kind of a missed opportunity there. I should have probably purchased 64 gigabytes of RAM because, you know, Commodore 64, but that was more than double the cost. So maybe some other time. The power supply is a Pico PSU thing. It cost me 40 bucks. So the brick is actually external to the machine. The CPU cooler was a little bit tricky because I had to get like a low profile thing to sit in there. I couldn't have anything higher than 30 millimeters or something like that. That was 25 bucks. It is a little bit noisy, that fan. I feel like I should probably replace it with a Noctua at some point, the fan portion of it. But Noctua didn't make a fan, or I should say a cooler for this motherboard, so I'd have to piece it together anyway. I spent about $913 on it. I'm very happy with it. The only time I would say I'm less pleased with it is when I'm rendering video. It does peg the machine out, and it takes, but depending on how many transitions and effects and overlays and such. Generally speaking, for every minute of video, it takes 30 seconds for it to render out. I'd like something a little bit faster than that for rendering, but that's really it. So what we need to get you is an external GPU that you can plug into this system for when you're doing video renders. Pretty much. I kind of wonder if there's a way to use maybe like my server as a render, like farm it to that or something like that as a render farm. I don't know if Caden Live does anything like that. I really haven't looked into it. It's one of those things that just kind of breeze through my head, but that was it. Now, is this the most powerful computer? Absolutely not. It's not a beast by any means, but it's a joy for me to use. I really, really like it. It just brings me to a happy place every time I see it. So that is my dream computer. You know, I can eventually upgrade opponents as things get faster and more energy efficient and whatnot inside of it. The form factor is really what brings me the smiles. Well, that and it runs OpenSUSE Tumbleweed. That also brings me a lot of smiles. So it's kind of a combination of my almost unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE and my enthusiasm for vintage tech kind of smashed into one. I half expected you to break out in song. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> 
Well, I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't cross my mind. I love the fact that you pretty much have your dream system already built. It's in front of you, that you're being able to use it every single day. It's probably a pretty nice feeling. It is. The keyboard is also very nice. It feels good. I don't know if you've used some computers where if you just set your fingers on the keys, how they'll, they'll just mash on you and you mistype things. Well, this is like just the right amount of resistance where there's no real effort, but I can still rest my hands on it. To me, that's pretty huge. It's very comfortable to type on for me. I don't have to rest my palms in anything. I kind of hover above anyway. The only thing that might be of complaint is I do have to hit like the function key to get the function keys, like in the FN to get F1 through F12. That's really my only complaint is the extra step in using function keys. Although a lot of these newer machines, these new laptops, you have to do that anyway. So it's kind of normal, I suppose. Well, Matt, my dream system is probably the most awesomest dream system it could ever be, but I'm guessing yours is also pretty awesome, or is it kind of weird and looks like a uh, kind of the Mad Max version of computers? Mine is going to be more of the Frankintosh type of computer. I'm more of a AMD fan when it comes to the CPUs, obviously, because it's just better price performance ratio. So for me, it's all about the AMD when it comes to the processors. More cores, more threads, better pricing. Intel, uh, yeah, Intel. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it at that. Like right now, I have a Ryzen 2700X. It's getting a little old, long in the tooth, to say the least, as far as stuff. But, you know, we're talking dream machines. Whatever the current top end of the Ryzen systems would be. Personally, for me, if I could throw an epic CPU... <laughs> which is AMD's server CPUs, in a tower for desktop use. I know they're not meant for desktop, but you know what? Seeing that many cores and that many threads, yes, please. <laughs> Seeing how they haven't upgraded, uh, you know, any thread rippers or anything. GPU, I'm actually going to fall on the controversial side and say NVIDIA. Now, that's more of a performance preference more than anything else, just because while AMD has a better-ish out-of-the-box experience, not so much with their new hardware. They still need to fix that when it comes to Linux specifically. And NVIDIA has had its issue in, you know, laptops and all the other nonsense. I'm not saying it's perfect. You know, we're talking desktops here for me. It would be a NVIDIA GPU. It's weird because when it comes to the GPUs, I don't need top end because I have a very, I'm not that I need 4K at 120 hertz. You know, I'm not that kind of gamer. I'm like, give me decently high graphic settings on a 1080p at 60, and I'm fine. <laughs> I'm pretty low on the hardcore gamer scale when it comes to that. Whatever their generic 60 range is usually where their middle card sits. So I'd be fine with like, if we're talking current models, it'd be like a RTX 3060, 3060 Ti. I'd be fine with that. I don't need uber high end. As far as RAM, 3264. The way I would build the system though is I try to more future proof when it comes to that particular stuff is how much memory does the board support? So the board I have, I have 32 gigs in it, it supports 64. Being able to have that kind of upgradability helps future-proof a little more. How many, you know, PCIe connection. Like, I look more at the board than I do probably anything else. That's really where I sit. How many PCIe? Is it Gen 4 or whatever the next gen? Because, you know, God knows when the next time we're actually going to be able to build computers as far as pricing. <laughs> yeah, this conversation is almost a little painful, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm a weird AMD with a NVIDIA GPU guy. That's probably my quote unquote dream system. You know, all the typical storage options and that kind of stuff is pretty self-explanatory. As far as distros, I'm going to be the controversial one. Shock surprise there. And I'm going to say, I don't care. <laughs> is the short version. That's fair. Uh, um, it depends on the system. Like if, if I'm strictly using a PC and regardless of the OS, I might have a drive that has Arch, you know, Garuda install on it, but I might also have a drive that has a Windows drive on it as well because I do play some EAC enabled games that only work on Windows, yada, yada, all the typical caveats there. All my games are stored on external stuff, so I don't really think that the OS to me doesn't matter. It's just, what game am I playing? It's like turning on a different console. It's like I'm sitting here next to a Wii U or a or PS4. Which one am I going to turn on? That's kind of how I view dual booting like that. This episode of Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Bitwarden. One thing we can do to protect ourselves is having unique passwords for every online account that we have. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now to do just that. 
It not only helps me keep track of the many passwords I now have, it includes a random password generator. You can set the length of special characters and so much more. But here at its open source receives third-party security auditing, and you can get started for free by going to bitwarden.com DLN. Want some of their premium features like one gigabyte of file storage, vault health reports, or just support the project? It starts for only $10 a year. Jump over to bitwarden.com DLN to get started with your free account now. Well, Wendy, I understand that you're having some difficulties with your VR headset. Yeah, this has been one heck of a journey. So if you went back and listened to me talk somewhat about the unboxing on the last episode of Hardware Addicts, I was also talking to you about the fact that we were installing Windows on my daughter's laptop. We'd gotten everything plugged in on Manjaro that first time. And I hadn't done probably as much research as I should have on the different components in order to possibly make this work. And I know you've heard me talk about this laptop before. So if you haven't heard, this is a quote unquote gaming laptop. So it has a dedicated graphics card in it, but it has to work under the premise of Bumblebee or Optimus. Now I can go into the BIOS and turn off the NVIDIA card, but I can't turn on the Intel graphics. It has to be both of them or just the Intel graphics. You can't really do it the way I'd like to and just use NVIDIA out of the box. So this adds another layer of complication. Now the graphics card that is inside of this laptop is the 960 Mobile. So it's definitely not a poor laptop's graphics by any means, but it's definitely not a newer graphics card for the system. Originally tried to put it on the Manjaro system, got everything plugged in, and it was reading the headset, it was seeing the controllers, we had the motion detectors, things, all of that was working, but it wasn't accurately getting that information to the system. So as we were doing the setup, it would tell us that our size was too small, it wasn't actually tracing the room accurately. So I'm like, okay, I want to make sure, because we bought this used, right, I wanted to make sure that it was working properly, that it wasn't a Linux issue, that it wasn't a hardware itself issue, and we got Windows installed on the system. That took a bunch of kerfuffing about. It's one of the reasons why it reminds me why I hate the installation of Windows. It takes so long. Oh my goodness, it takes so long in order to get that installed. Felt like I sat there forever waiting for it to do its thing. You got that in. We got all of the HTC Vive stuff installed got the graphics drivers installed, got Steam reinstalled, all of that crap. We got reset back up. At first, it was working really good. They were able to be in kind of the home environment of the Steam VR. The kids were learning how to use it, playing with different things. And then my daughter had gotten into FNAF Help Wanted, the game that they wanted this VR headset for. She played a few minutes in it and then the next day, that was it. Like there was an update that happened and it didn't work anymore. It wasn't actually feeding the video at all to the headset. It actually wasn't finding all of the pieces at the headset. And then at one point it had started telling us that the headset was being viewed as a secondary monitor, turn on direct display, turn on direct display and it wouldn't do anything. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe it's because of the way this Windows update installed. So I downloaded a fresher version because the copy of Windows 10 that I had was fairly old. So I downloaded a fresher version of Windows 10, spent the next day going through that, getting that all reset up and it was no-go. We started off with the exact same error of not being able to use the headset. It was being recognized as a monitor. If you put the headset on, you could literally see the desktop, but you couldn't play games on it. That just wasn't translating well. I'm like, all right, we're going to do something different. We're going back to Manjaro. Actually, before Manjaro, we'd actually went back to Garuda, because I was using the gaming edition of Garuda, we were having some of the same issues there, but I was installing some, at this point, some different drivers from the AUR with the open source VR drivers, but I wasn't realizing that one thing wasn't installing correctly, and it was kind of a major thing that needed to be installed. And so that was part of the reason I'm guessing at this point that it wasn't working. So Garuda got wiped off, 
I think we may have tried Windows one more time and eventually now Manjaro's back on it. Manjaro's what's on it right now. I went through and I did, I spent like an afternoon messing with this thing. So I'd go to install these different open source VR drivers and I'd run into issues. Hey, we can't find this file or, you know, whatever, something isn't compiling. So I dig through stuff. I figure out, okay, I need a different version of this. I get that installed. We get it all put together and go to play it, right? All of the drivers that I think we need are finally installed. All of the NVIDIA stuff is working. I've got it working with the Optimus QT manager, like all of that stuff is set up, which takes forever, especially when you're now on like day three of doing this. And the game or Steam VR will launch and you can see it on the monitor of the laptop, but not actually in the VR headset itself, which was then really frustrating. And my daughter at the time was also getting like super, super frustrated. I had a ton of stuff to do on Monday, but I told her, let me get some of my work done and then we'll see if we can't get it to work on my desktop. So one, this is a different graphics card. This is a truly dedicated graphics card. Whereas when she was trying to do some figuring out as why hers wouldn't work, they're like, oh, just change the HDMI ports. Well, you can't do that in her laptop. There's only one HDMI port. So if it's not working through that one, you're kind of out of luck. So I'm like, okay, this one is has a dedicated graphics card, which we have access to the ports directly onto the graphics cards. I got all of those open source VR drivers pulled from the AUR installed on the system. And now the VR headset works fantastic. You can get into the VR home, all of that's fine. But the game that they're wanting to play, FNAF Help Wanted, isn't firing up correctly. And I don't know if that's something else on my system. It was working, like I said, at one point on the Windows system. I don't know if this is now a Linux issue, but I know for sure that the VR headset in general will work on Linux. And two, it is not a hardware issue. I'm now trying to find some games that are known to work well on Linux with VR. And while they won't be able to use it on her laptop, she can still game on her laptop, just not the VR games at this point. But when I don't need my system, them being able to use the VR headset here on my system. And this is why that dream system that I talked about earlier, I really wish was coming true because that would be perfect for all of our VR headset woes. Right. And it'd also be in the living room in a common place. Won't interfere with your work. I'm actually surprised any VR works on laptops to begin with at all. NVIDIA was upfront about the fact when it was, what can your graphics card do? And it's like, oh, it's a 960 mobile. It shouldn't run VR. And I'm like, yeah, but we're going to try it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like to me, VR is a big pain in the tuchus. Me personally, I've done stuff with VR. It's been a few years. It always makes me nauseous anyway. I'm going to be watching though with interest to see how your journey goes because maybe in the future I'll I'll try it again when some of the um, problems are ironed out. Nate, to answer your questions, um, were you running at the 90 frames per second that they recommend for VR? I don't know. I was using it for an actual manufacturing, virtual manufacturing function. Ah. So it was very high frame rate. The issue was I made a mistake and essentially I set some parameters wrong. I dropped an item in the virtual world and like fell to infinity. When I moved, then I fell to infinity and actually it made me want to throw up. So uh, I just decided at that point I was kind of done with the VR thing. Yeah, that is definitely a little disorienting or at least that would be. I didn't have that experience. Magneto had the headset on Monday night and he dropped some books off the shelf onto his foot. And because the way you're seeing them, it is in this 3D atmosphere. You actually feel like they're going to land on your foot and he jumped back in the room with the headset on. I did get out video I'm not sharing, but I'm keeping that for my personal enjoyment. They did get video (laughs) of me with the headset on, with the VR headset on, and I was doing some really stupid stuff too. I think that's how everybody looks with the VR headset on. You're all kinds of don't act normal or don't look normal when you have it on. So it was kind of funny, but I couldn't wear it for very long because I was getting really bad eye strain. And for at least an hour and a half afterwards, my eyes hurt from wearing it. So it's probably not something that I'll be able to really use in general, but I would like the kids to be able to enjoy this toy that they all pitched in and bought together. For sure. And I wonder if it's maybe due to our advanced age or my advanced age anyway, that I have a hard time with it. 
but I have peers that had no problem with it at all. So maybe it's just me. It could be you. It could. I know it's definitely me and my eye sensitivity. Everybody who listens to the network knows that that's an issue. And I was kind of thinking that I probably wouldn't be able to get to use it. So I'll test it out again and mess with some of the different settings. But yeah, some of us just can't live in that fun VR game world. Once again, it is now time for Game of the Week. Your game has got to run, right, Matt? While my games aren't, you usually have stuff for us that runs fantastic. Generically, unless I specifically mention that, hey, this doesn't work on Linux or hey, this is console exclusive. Yes, actually, there's a new game as of this recording came out today. So the name of the game is Gun Tech 2. It is a, what they would consider a shump kind of game. So that particular genre is a shoot 'em up which is games like, Nate, this will be more up your alley. Things like Gradius, things like, uh, for those that want newer twin stick shooters, those are going to be things like Super Stardust HD, uh, Geometry Wars, that kind of game. This came out today for Linux specifically. And I know this was talked about on DL, but this is something that, I, I again, I want to highlight games that were specifically put out for Linux. And this is one of those kind of games. Fun game. Looks really fun. Like, the graphics are really crisp, bright, and clean. There's a lot of neon, you know, just a lot of fire. Uh, in the trailer, like, one of the boss fights is a, um, a 2.5D kind of boss fight so there's a 3d element to the boss and its movements but it's on a 2d plane so it's really cool stuff like that to see in a new game coming out and this for me because when this is the type of game like i see myself playing more on the uh the steam deck personally because these are the type of games where it's like oh i died oh well like it's no big deal whereas like story focused games for me is one of those i just want to sit here and play it and these type of games for me are perfect for the Steam Deck because it's like they're they're more power uh, they're more engaging than a lot of the mobile games, and the biggest thing is that it's pretty. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty. <laughs> so uh, I have this downloaded. This will be streamed on Monday for GameSphere, um, the live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be taking a look at it and we'll be discussing sound and video and all the other fun stuff that goes with it. And yes, it'll be played on Linux, of course, because that's kind of what I do. Um, other than that, fun little game. Again, I want to thank the, the dev and the publisher for giving us actually a review code for it. So there is that as well. So we did not pay for it, but still cool that when you contact see when you contact these companies for like review codes and stuff, you have a lot of them have like a PR gate in front of them, so you have to talk to the PR people first, and then you kind of have to go. Once you get through the door, you're fine, and because you become a known entity at least to them. Once you get past that, stuff like this is able to happen because you know one one of the things is like oh well we t- like. When I make the pitches to these guys, it's I'm testing games on Pro, Steam Play, Proton, you know, Linux, a lot of slashes on there. And for me, that's one of the things that has actually helped because it's like, oh, I'm testing this to see what it's going to be like on the Steam Deck or, you know, just little little things. And then you show that you have a show, you have content and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's just it helps tremendously so when companies do do that i would like to make sure we thank them because without that we wouldn't have a you know native games or a proton to to really work with you know barring valve of obviously and their involvement with code weavers but i want to highlight games that do that for Linux specifically when you mention it. So, well, I think the game looks awesome. I realize that it's new as of today. It has that same feel of, yeah, like you said, the old games, but with a really superbly done updated graphics, like 2.5D. Uh, the boss fights look amazing, a little frightening, but amazing nonetheless. And I think this is a game that I could play and I would enjoy it. 
But I would never admit to you at, at any level because it's too new. Nate, you've admitted <laughs> before because you've bought games while we've done recording. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember. Typically <laughs> not games this new, though. You are correct there. I think it looks great. Even Nate would have to admit this would be a game that checks all the boxes for a modern but retro feel and one that he could, as more of a retro gamer, could probably get into. Oh, for sure. It's a pick up, play game, and put it down. No big deal. That's what I like about it. Question becomes, Nate. Would you install this on your Steam Deck when you get it? Very likely. <laughs> I got Nate to get a modern game on a modern piece of hardware. Yes. That is amazing. <laughs> so while I'm making game recommendations and all the other things, Nate, you're getting new hardware here soon when the Steam Deck comes out, but it sounds like you're doing some stuff that I've had to do in the past and call it some cleaning. It is true. Yes, I'm doing some spring cleaning a little bit early. I want to get ahead on the spring cleaning thing. Now, I did talk about earlier the 3D printer that I purchased. Well, I got to move some things around and get ready for it so I can use it regularly. So I'm getting ready to remove some things, put some new stuff in place, you know, shift things around and do some vacuuming in the process because it's amazing the amount of dust and dirt even though i do clean almost every day back here it seems like the furniture and other items like hoard dust or dust bunnies i don't know how it works but anyway yep i'm gonna do some spring cleaning get things to a position that i'm really happy about i want to get the cubicle studio so it doesn't look like a place where i make a mess where it's a little more welcoming in appearance a little safer for the kids to hang out here so I don't have to worry about them breaking something or knocking something over. Just work on overall tidying up the joint. And the 3D printer is a big piece of that, actually, because I'm one of the things I am going to be printing are cartridge holders for my Super Nintendo and such that I can mount the way I want. I've looked for better solutions. There are none at this time. I could probably build something out of wood, or I can just let the 3D printer do its thing, and I can make little slots for my stuff. Just different things just to tidy up the place, make it better. You know, so if I pan a camera through here, nobody thinks I'm a giant slob like they would think so right now. I'm sure they don't think think you're a total slob it's probably the military in you coming out with everything having to be neat tidy and super crisp probably nonetheless i'm not happy the ceo wouldn't be happy either <laughs> gotta give the place a good gi scrub down you know nate the you not sounding happy part that sounded kind of like a blanket statement you seem to be a pretty jolly guy for the mo oh wait we're talking linux so linux is your happy spot i forgot it is my happy spot yes and dirt is not his happy spot exactly so i don't like dirty computers i don't like dirty people that's why we don't talk outside the show man i'm kidding <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I thought I was bad. <laughs> there are things that I want to do is like I have like different pieces of like camera components and lenses and things. I need to better organize that. I have more cables I got to put away and hide. I got to unbox my Legos. They've still been mostly boxed up. I got to make the place back to what it was. Well, I shouldn't say back, but in the same sort of funness of my previous place, but in the new place. I've got to get rid of all these boxes. I want them gone. Moving takes forever. And then if you're like me... The boxes never go away, or at least they've been in the garage for four years, so they're not going away. Indeed, and uh, I can't have that. When the weather breaks, I'm going to be taking some trips over to the... Uh, if it's garbage, it's going to the dump. But things that are not garbage, you know, I can donate them. Let somebody else enjoy them rather than they just rot here in my labs. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse forum, drop us a line under this video, or on the contact forum by visiting dlnextend.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, Gamesphere, Linux Loon, and more at destinationlinux.network. Show off your love for your favorite podcast shows by visiting the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I Pause the Game to Be Here shirt. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. 